How many of you, even if you're not, raise your hand, make me feel good. How many of you are enjoying this series? Woo! <laughs> All right. And if you're joining us online, you're welcome here too. You're, you're, you, know, you miss out on some cool visuals and stuff, but it's not the same, not as being here in person, but it's still nice to have our online audience, which as I've gone out places in the last two months, I've had a number of people tell me that they listen to all of our sermons online. So even though, even on a small night, if we only have 60, 70 people here or something like that, they're still, hey, they're still, might be 100, 200 people. We never know. Never know who's listening online. So we welcome them. Uh, this is really a, a holiness series. Um, and, and I think that holiness, it gets, it gets twisted, changed, un- misunderstood. Holiness is not just an external thing. There is an external element. We'll talk about that at some point in the series. But holiness is something that really radiates from the very inner part of our being to the outside, from the inside to the outside. And so the Bible does not only mention holiness as a growth process or as a way of life. The Bible makes it clear that we are also to worship in holiness in a number of places. What in the world does it mean to worship in holiness? Well, let's take a look at 1 Chronicles 16, verse 29. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. It says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So tonight we're going to talk about a really how one of the ways we can do that, and that is this, this topic of music and worship. How many of you like music? All right. Anybody just despise music? Just can't stand it? We tease my father-in-law because when we travel with him anywhere, he'll be like, turn that off. I got to hear the engine. I'm like, what? (laughs) So that makes for long road trips when you're going far places because all you hear is a diesel. Um, The Hebrew word, though, for holiness is kadesh. The Hebrew word means dedicated, consecrated, prepared, sanctified, clean. So not only does the Bible only talk about dressing, living, acting holy, it talks about us worshiping holy. What does this mean? It means that our worship unto God should be dedicated unto him, consecrated or set aside for him, and it should be clean. John 4, 23 says, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does this mean? It means spirit and in truth, okay? Now, um, this is, we got to understand that God's a spirit. Notice it says God's a spirit, capital S, right? But then it says we got to worship him in spirit and truth, small s. What do you think the difference is? The capital S is referring to God. The the small s is referring to the human spirit. Okay? And now small s means human spirit, human enthusiasm. If it was referring to God's spirit, it would have been a capital S. All right? This means that our worship unto God is not just in doctrinal truth, which we, we need to know our doctrine. Doctrinal truth is essential to walking with God and knowing what you believe. But we also are called to worship in human spirit, human emotion, human energy. This is why, too, throughout this series, I've said in the past, I'll keep saying, the whole series is, is worshiping, every, it's, it's every aspect of holiness. It's not just like a set of rules or one facet. It's everything, every part of who I am from the inside to the outside. If you're not doing something God desires, you're missing out on certain aspects of power and anointing that come with him, with serving him. 
But if you are doing, if you're, if you're, if you're only doing things out of, well, that's what they preach, that, that's the rule of the church, you're also missing out, I feel. Because if you say, why do you live that way? Why do you choose to not do this? Or why do you choose to do this? I do it because I love Jesus Christ so much and I desire to please him with every facet of my being. From the inside to the outside. And he wants us to worship in truth with our human emotions, with enthusiasm. From this perspective, the whole series, this entire thing is on discipleship and holiness. And it's intimately connected to the subject of worship. Think about that. Every lesson that we go over, even, even entertainment options and choices, every single lesson is intimately involved with worship because everything I choose to do is not just because, well, church teaches this. Well, as a pastor, as a licensed minister of the UPC, I just, I can't do those things. <sighs> like, hey, where do I sign up? That sounds fun. But sometimes we paint this picture to people like, has anyone ever been asked, oh, you go to the church where, where people dress like this? Oh, you go to the church where ladies aren't allowed to do this? Anybody ever been told this? I always correct people. I always say, oh, no, 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 just so you understand. There's different people that choose to live that way. But this is not a, this is not a cult. This is, not a, a, this is a free country, a free church. People choose to do what they want to do. But based on scriptures, there are a lot of things in the Bible that cause people to say, hey, if I live this way, it's pleasing and acceptable to God. So you will find people, but, hey, nobody's going to say, if you want to be a part of this church. That's not the case. So I clarify that to people. So everything, you think about it, everything I allow into my mind through my eyes is connected to worship. Everything I allow into my body through my mouth, my nose, is connected to worship. We just talked about drugs and alcohol. Everything we allow into our ears is connected to worship. The clothes we put on our entire body, it's connected to worship. God is looking for people that will worship him with everything they have, everything that they are, not just doctrine or truth, but with every part of our lives. God requires that we love him. In Mark 12, 30, he says he commands that we love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength, and spirit. That's our entire being. This covers emotional, spiritual, intellectual, and physical. That's every part of my being I'm called to worship him. It's important that each of us understand these important principles because worship is founded on a lot more than just music. And I give you this big introduction because I don't want anyone here or online to say, he just thinks that worship has to do with music. We're going to spend time on music, but I fully understand worship is not just a song set on a Sunday morning. Worship is everything I am, every choice that I make, the way I live my life. Music is not the only form. We make mistakes when we refer to a time of worship as the instrumental and the people leading us in singing. Worship is a lifestyle, not just a set of songs on Sunday. And so, although music is not the only form of worship, it's the form that I want to look at tonight. When Christ was born, what happened? His birth was announced through the medium of music to reach humankind's heart. A choir of angels proclaimed this great event to a simple band of shepherds. Go to the book of Revelation. So literally, Christ is born, choir singing. Go to the Revelation, what do you read? Constantly, we fell before the throne. We began to sing songs of worship. It's found in the beginning, it's found at the end. If you don't like worship, if you don't like music, if you don't like singing songs of praise unto God, I, I don't know if you're going to like heaven. 
Because that's what we read about going on. Many of the vital processes of life are based on rhythm. I was teasing my father-in-law. I got to make him laugh. You know Arthur. So I'm there, and he's talking about his heart, and it feels weird. And he's like, they're going to try and get it, the medicine to get it back in rhythm tonight. Otherwise, they got to do some shock stuff tomorrow and get it back in rhythm. And I said, well, if you want, I'll drop a beat tonight. And see, when you listen online, I said, and you can listen online and see if it, you know. And I said, so when you listen to the podcast, if it jumps back in beat because of my singing, I said, I just want you to know, you know, so I, but I, I don't know. We'll see. So <laughs> he hates rap. And I said, you want me to rap tonight? Ooh, I got to look. I got to look. So there's your shout out to my wonderful father-in-law. Humankind being a rhythmic being has an inherent affinity for certain cadences. If you happen to notice my son, you know, I always tell my kids, it's okay to move, but make sure it's worship unto the Lord. Because I don't want it to be a free-for-all, but I also don't want to restrict my kids and say, sit on this pew. We're Pentecostals. That's not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. Hallelujah. So, but it's hilarious because Titus has the exact same dance that Jude had at that age. <laughs> See, this is what you miss online if you're listening online and not in person. I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, it... When the music starts, you'll see these guys. They'll just, not Jude doesn't anymore. He grew out of it. But he just. Hey, that's not, you're not, oh, you're not on Facebook, so I'm good. All right. I'm going to block Michelle from my timeline. You know it's bad when you're blocking your own secretary from your timeline. But humankind, we're, it, it, you don't have to ter- teach them these things. We're rhythmic beings, some of us more rhythmic than others. But in this century, business executives hired psychologists and musicians to experiment. The result, there's music in many supermarkets and businesses. Have you ever walked in somewhere and you're humming something and you didn't even realize you were humming something? And you didn't even necessarily know there was music on. But then you pick it up. Why do people play it? For the enjoyment of the customer? Well, partly, but to be more precise, they figured out the right type of music played at the right time of day at the right volume can stimulate people to spend money. Some of us don't need much stimulation to spend money. But the right, the right time, right volume, they figured this out. And think about it. The, the majority of every single one of us learned our ABCs by singing a song. How many of you right now are humming that song in your mind? It's confusing, though. You've got to be careful to kids, because I remember thinking, what's LMNO? LMNO? But the NFL, the NBA have their own theme songs. Can you finish these jingles? Da-da-da-da-da. I'm loving it. The best part of waking up. Is they got you, they got you guys. I'll tell you what, I can't sing the song. I, they, I haven't heard or seen from them in a while, but I really liked the Free Credit Report band. I don't know where they went, but they obviously didn't do well enough, but I enjoyed them. But see, 
It's a medical fact that music directly affects the nervous system, the circulatory system, the digestive system, muscles, glands, virtually every part of the human body is affected by music. It can temporarily change your pulse rate, blood pressure. It can increase the secretions of the adrenal glands and energy-producing glands. It can affect the outpouring of gastric juices, thereby having a bearing on digestion. It can reduce or delay muscular fatigue and also increase muscular strength. There's a reason why these gyms, and guys are like, throw on 45 more. Or on my case, it's throw on a 45. Music's powerful. It can drive away evil thoughts and worries. It can bring peace and encouragement, closeness to God. It can motivate. It can hype up. It can encourage. It ushers in a presence of God. It plants thoughts. It's an outlet for frustration. So with music being that powerful and physically and mentally altering, what should our guidelines be in listening to music outside of church? Not all music is wise for a Christian to listen to. If he or she is aiming to live a life of holiness and separation unto God. Pastors are going to go into the rules. No, I'm not. I'm going to go into the biblical principles that you can make if you want to remove things from your life and add things in that will get you closer to God. Even if you enjoy some of the musical styles, you cannot remain holy if you continually listen to songs with ungodly lyrics. The words will have an effect on you, even if it's just subconsciously. How many times have you heard a song and you repeated it over and over in your mind and just can't seem to get the song out of your mind? Has this ever happened to anybody? Well, I wish it was always just Christian music. And here's the point. I'm, I'm very real in my teaching, much maybe to a fault. Maybe some of you lose respect. I don't know. Hopefully not. But secular artists, it's not like you guys just need to listen to Christian music. That's where it's at. There's no talent in the secular world. Well, of course there is. They have some of the best of the best. Matter of fact, you look even way back. The Elvis Presleys and the Jerry Lee Lewises. These guys were like in training, embraced in ministers' homes, in training to be ministers. They had church backgrounds. When Jerry Lee Lewis, Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley, and one of, well, uh, another one of them got together for just a jam session one time. Anybody heard of this? They actually got together, and the producer of that studio, this is one of, the, one of the last times that all four of these gentlemen got together in a studio, and they just had open mics and just sang and just jammed with each other. And the guy actually, producer, left the real run. You can actually buy the CD. And out of like 20 of the songs on that CD, about 14 of them were Christian songs with biblical background. They were quoted later in life as talking about, about fighting the demons and because and, they really ignited a shift in American culture. But yet they paid the price in their emotional and, and, and mental and spiritual state because they knew a lot of the things they were singing about were wrong. But yet today, some people would just play that in church because like compared to today's songs, all oh, those guys were great. 
But that's the thing. We're not comparing ourselves to the 50s versus 2016. We're comparing ourselves 2016 to the word of God. And so when you, when you listen to, to some of these songs, I heard, I was just, before we went, we just came from, from North Kansas City, and I visited Jesus and Brother Arthur. And I was in Quiznos grabbing a sandwich, and I heard a secular song that I've probably only heard one time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like coming along, and I'm like, what in the world? Because you know what? They have talent. They have the best of the best come together and come up with the best lyrics, sung at the best times, to the best tunes, the catchiness that will get you to say, man, that's a good song. So we can be holy all we want, but there's talent in the world. So my argument tonight is not the talent's in the church, not in the world, okay? They have talent. That's not my argument. They have very catchy songs, but when I listen to the beat and I sing the words and I read the words, are you glorified, God, in my life by listening to this? And you're going to find, hey, in most cases, not. I remember being tw- 12 years old, and I got in a car with my friend whose sister picked us up, and they were taking us to the mall. It's where cool kids hang, hung out back in the day. But I remember getting into that car, and I remember she had this, you know, one of those $2,000 cars with a $6,000 stereo system. And, and to this day, it's the only time I ever heard that song. Do you know I could sing you that song right here? I would never do it because it's the most vulgar song I've heard in my life. I wish that that was not in my head. I wish that I could have erased that. But here's the problem. You know a computer, the difference between a computer and your brain, that has a hard drive that you can replace or erase and start over. Your brain, you never get to do that. Every image, every feeling, every lyric is burned into your brain. You can't just wipe it clean. So... As a 12-year-old, I could sing you words to a song of the most vulgar song I remember hearing in my life right now. And I heard it one time. But I was exposed to that. Another song I heard. Uh, I, what, then, then another time I was working, I was managing a Culver's by Miller Park in Milwaukee. And there was a song that came on by the artist Eminem, not a quality guy, not a quality individual. And he's singing a song that was so sexually oriented. And I'm hearing the guys sing around, they're in the kitchen getting all their everything ready. And I'm just like, but what troubled me wasn't just the song that was enough. But when I came, I was in charge of junior high ministries at the church. And I came to church that next Sunday. And one of our junior high kids was singing that song in the stairwell. That broke my heart. And so you you hear about this, and and I remember hearing another song that talks about a man being married and his ex-girlfriend's in the next room and he was wishing he was with her. How do you listen to this stuff and it not impact you? It does. This is what's, if I was right now, if I was to say, hey, Brother Jim, Google the top 100 lyrics on the Billboard charts right now, some of us would be blown away because we don't even realize what they're saying. 
The Bible clearly states, power of life and death are in the tongue. Look what Paul says, Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, therefore, I'm begging you, essentially, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You hear Paul, he's writing to this church. He's got a pastor's heart here. He's not just saying, hey, guys, I'm just doing some biblical teaching. He's going, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. It's your reasonable service. No one's asking you to do anything unreasonable. And be not conformed to this world. Well, the 50s, Elvis movie music was better than today, so I'm just going to go back and listen. If we're older, we're just going to listen to Johnny Cash and Elvis because that's not as bad as 2016. Listen, no, 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 no. It says don't be conformed to this world. Our, our standard is not set by the rest of the society. It's set by the principles in God's word. He says be transformed by the renewing of, say it with me, your mind. Point to your head and say, my mind, that you may prove. How do you prove? God looks on the heart. Guess what? Humankind doesn't. So how do I prove God working in me? Well, that's going to be something that they see and feel when they interact with me. God looks on the heart. Yeah, but humankind doesn't, and those are the people I'm trying to reach. And so, what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? Paul could have said, be transformed by the renewing of your spirit. Be transformed by the renewing of your strength. Maybe the renewing of your attitude. No, he specifically chose your mind. That's because he understood full well, hey, if it gets in your mind, it'll get in your heart. If it gets in your heart, Scripture tells us, out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. It's a very clear pattern. Gets in your mind, goes through your ears, gets in your mind, mind goes to heart, heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. You talk about something long enough, you will do it. It's a very clear pattern. So Paul did not want to fight a symptom. He wanted to go to the root cause. That's why he says be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind. If you get your mind right, you will get your mouth right. Hear me, if you get your mind right, you'll get your mouth right. That's why people, blah, 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 uh, swearing, I'm sorry, I don't know where that came from. I know full well where that came from. Probably what you're listening to for music and what you're watching for entertainment or what you're reading in books. In America, the average teenager listens to eight, uh, this is old, I guarantee you, guarantee you this is more now. Listens to eight hours of music a week, maybe a day. Now, who could? Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't. This is a rhetorical question I don't want to see. But who could raise their hand and say, I listen to 100% Jesus music. That's it. Nothing else. Just Jesus. I'm not looking. I don't want to see. But if we don't listen to Christian music all the time, that means that we're listening to music that's not Christian. Is that fair? 90% of music out there, and that's not a scientific survey, that's just a Gary Dornbach guess, talks about adultery, fornication, sexual innuendos, violence, murder, rebellion, lying, and drug abuse. Not country. Oh, yes, it does. You might out of 10 songs... You might get one that's decent in country, whereas rap, like you get none. 
but it's still not wholesome. My wife said she, she was out somewhere and she heard a song by a group called Rascal Flats. I have never heard the song, but it's a song that literally says something about literally my religion is, is, is not on Sunday in the church. It's, it's singing country music out in the field or something. I, I, I don't even know. She's explaining this to me. I'm like, what's wrong with people? And they were supposed to be one of the good country groups, one of the wholesome country groups. And if the words we're listening to are ungodly, meaning not for God, then let's call it what it is. It's sin. Don't tell your children, hey, we in this house do not believe in adultery, homosexuality, drugs and alcohol, premarital sex, murder, swearing. But then sit down and watch it with them on TV. Or when you drive somewhere, turn it on the radio and listen to it and sing along with it for entertainment. We don't believe this. I just sing this song because I enjoy the beat and I like the artist and I own the CD or they're on my iPod or my iTunes. But I don't stand for what they sing about. You, that will confuse the living daylights out of your child. That's not Holiness. That's not pleasing to God. This will hinder. Again, you want to say, these are the rules of the church. This has nothing to do with rules. I'm just simply stating a fact. It will hinder your walk with God. What you listen to in your car, what plays when you work out, on your iPad, on your iPhone, if you're listening to things that do not glorify God, it will hinder you. I remember, and you know what? It becomes a vice, a vice, because I told you there's a lot of talent in the world and a lot of really, really good, catchy songs. So if you've invested a lot of money and have 1,200 songs in your playlist and you like them and you can sing them, and pastor says a message like this, instantly you're thinking like your heart gets kind of pricked and you're like, Ooh. but then logic sets in. Yeah, no, well, maybe I can purge some of them, but a lot about what I have is not bad like what he's talking about. So right away, before, we even, before I even get done with this message, we're already justifying ourselves. But at some point, you reach a, a point where you're going, God, I don't want to remove... Every single barrier, even if it might be a barrier, I want to take it out of the way. And I remember when I got serious about God when I was 17, got the Holy Ghost when I was 8, was a knucklehead for a while. I'm still kind of a knucklehead, but not as bad as I was then. And then 17, I got serious about God. And I remember I had all the CDs. And you know, it's crazy. Our kids aren't even going to know what CDs are. They don't know the struggle of beep, Get off the phone. Are you on the internet? Like, they'll never know that. <laughs> My dad, I remember 5 o'clock. I'm trying to put in orders. Get off AOL. It's just connecting, Dad. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> now it's like everywhere. Now we get annoyed if we have seven internets going at the same time, and mine took three seconds to pull up a page. I'm like, what's wrong with this piece of junk? 
But our kids, our kids, they won't even know the CDs. But I remember I listened to secular music, a lot of secular music. Sorry, she's going to find out I wasn't perfect. My, my, my mom, the longer she goes in life, finds out I did a couple things behind her back. <laughs> so, yes. So I didn't listen to secular music necessarily with my parents' consent. But I remember when I got serious about God. And my friends were like, dude, you're going to get rid of your CDs? And he's like, they were like, sell them. I was like, bro, I'm breaking them. Bro, you got a whole huge book. I said, I'm not giving this to anybody else. And I remember breaking every single one of the CDs. There was such a liberty that came from that. When I broke every single CD, and I didn't break it because like, oh, I hate these singers now. They're old. I remember breaking it being like, I love this music. Do you know, I can still be out somewhere and I hear a song and I'm like, man, I'll look at my wife and I'll say, this used to be one of my favorite songs. Just being real. Just being real. Old school singers that kids don't know now, I still tell my wife, I say, I will never listen to their music. I don't agree with their lyrics, but I'll still tell you. I tell her, I said, that group, Boys to Men, is still some of the best singers that you'll ever hear. Four guys that harmonize greater than anything I've ever heard in my life. That wasn't cool to listen to back then, by the way. So that was one, like, not, I, I didn't just hide from my parents. I hid from my guy friends, too. <laughs> but I had some of the other uh, 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 stuff, too. I had all kinds of different stuff. But I broke every one of them, and I'm telling you, something broke in me. That was a hindrance. It was a vice. That, you know... To say, I love you, I'm getting real, I'm getting serious about you, God. And then listening to things that fill my, come in my ears, fill my mind, come into my heart and come out of my mouth. I can't live that way. And something broke in me. And you know what? If we're not careful, and we as parents, this is a battle that's worth fighting for. I just want to be my friend. I don't want to get my kids mad at me. There is a war on for your child's soul. You better be up to the task. I promise you, if my dad found my CDs, he would have broke them for me. He would have had no problem. But see, that's the thing is sometimes we transform our mind. Well, we bring our kids. Well, I bring my kids to Sunday school. They probably get an hour of teach, 30 minutes of teaching on Wednesday, an hour of teach of 30 minutes of teaching on Sunday. That's at least an hour, hour and a half a week. But... But then if you let them fill their minds and eyes with all the other stuff the rest of the week, we're supposed to transform their minds in one hour on Sundays? There's no way. See, I can't listen to songs about drugs, sex, violence, perversion, and not have them influence my mind. I can't listen to songs with constant swearing. Not have one of them slip out of my mouth when I'm angry. <laughs> Here's the challenge I give you. Rules of refuge, church. No, no, the rules of the word of God. Let's go to Philippians 4.8. Here's the rules for your music choices if you want to hear from God. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, the list goes on. It's like more and more radio stations are dropping off the map. <laughs> Whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Well, we already know. If it comes in your ears, it's going to go in your mind. Okay? So 
If I'm listening to the top artists, which, by the way, I did a Google search because I don't know half of them anymore. And, and, and we know that music influences our thought process. It infiltrates our minds, just like I challenged each of us to guard our temples. Now I'm asking you to guard your ears. And God's asking us to think about lovely, honest, just, pure things. Based on that definition, I don't think music by... Eminem, Justin Bieber, Rihanna, Drake, Beyonce, Ludacris, Taylor Swift, and the Chainsmokers. That's a group. I don't have to listen to my kids' CD when they're like, hey, did you hear the new CD by Chainsmokers? I'm like, throw it away. That's what in the world? Like, what is wrong? I don't want to say what's wrong with kids. I want to say what's kind of like when I see like little 11-year-old girls go on a miniskirt, and I want to say, who's the dad? Who in the world is at home? Or who's not at home? I hear hey, the group by the chain smokers. How do they get to the Billboard Top 10 with you have any human blood, warm-blooded parents in the house? Well, because the parents in a lot of cases are listening to it with them. Christianity has always been countercultural. Christianity has always been counter-cultural. Meaning, if your goal is to fit in with culture, you're, you probably, I love you, and I pray God does real things in your life, but you're probably not going to like this church long-term. Because my vision, our vision, God's vision for this church is to never be with the, we're always going to be countercultural. But that doesn't mean that we can't reach culture. That means when culture, there's people who are sick of the way culture is. They're looking for something different. And when they're finally ready to change, they're not going to go to a church that fits the culture. They're going to go to a church that, hey, you know what? They're with the times, but they're not just like everybody else. They're different. There's something about them that's different than the way I'm currently living. And I'm fine with that. What are you willing to give up in worship and separation to God? If your music is untouchable, that's probably thing, the thing that right now God is dealing with someone online or in person, that it's the very thing that God is saying tonight. Go home and get rid of it all. Delete it. Break it. Start fresh. I feel God's power right now. Because it's a vice for certain people. Not for everyone, but for some. But here's a flip side of what I'm talking about. If music has the kind of power to influence in a negative way, what about the positive? Music does play an important role in worship, especially in the course of a service. This is why we have a time called, hey, worship, before I get up to preach. This is not Pentecostal tradition. Why do you do that, Pastor? I don't know. The church I came out of did it, and so I just, I just figured we'd do it because that's what everybody else does. That's not why I do it. 
We, that, that music and worship unto God will open our hearts and minds to what God is about to say during the preaching period. I will tell you as a preacher who now has been here seven and a half years and doing it for years even before I came here, that worship in the way that the, the praise team leads and the, the audience responds, it totally changes the way that the preaching goes forward. I can step into this pulpit, and when people's hearts and minds are open, it's just, it's just open ground for God to speak his word in hearts. There's other times I've gotten up here, and you know what? Nobody has really responded, and it's like climbing an uphill battle and falling down every three steps. And that's why I constantly am emphasizing pre-service prayer. We're, we're open to God before the service even starts. We don't want to start to connect with God for the first time on song number four. This should be taking place right before. So like, boom, key gets hit. Hey, it's the time to stand for worship. And, and we're already, hey, man, I've already prayed. I'm ready to enter into the presence of God with an open heart. God, I'm ready to pray with people, respond to his presence. So the time of musical praise and worship is more important than people even realize. Psalms indicates how powerful music is when it comes to worship. In fact, did you know that the book of Psalms was actually original? It's originally written as a hymnal. For the nation of Israel. This is why even many of today's artists have written music to the words of various psalms. Psalm chapter 100, verse, starting with verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. See, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye uh, that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us. And now we ourselves, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. Many verses in the Psalms admonish us to worship with singing and with musical instruments. Psalm 150 lists the following instruments in worship. It talks about worship. Look at Psalm 50, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the, 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 the loud cymbals. All 37 of them. <laughs> praise him with the timbre, the string, the instrument. It says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. So when people come in and say, well, I'm not used to live worship, I'll say, I'll tell you what. You ever have any questions? I'll take you to scripture that tells us where the organ is, where the stringed instruments are, where the cymbals are. Everything you see in a Pentecostal service, every single thing that you see, even if it's strange or new to you, I will show you scripture line and verse, even to the musical instruments we use. And notice it says, it does not say, like some of us are guilty of on Sundays and Wednesdays, after feeling the Spirit of God move, then start praising Him. After hearing one of your top five songs, start praising Him. After the, the, the person leading worship gives a great word that really moves you, start praising Him. It doesn't, it says, if you have breath, praise Him. So if you check and you, you, you're still breathing, the blood is still pumping. I have mints if you need them. If, you, if, if, you, if you're still breathing, you should be praising. 
Every single time we get together, there should be praise going up. It doesn't matter if they miss a beat, the keyboard stops, the drummer's off tune. Like that, that, that's if I'm playing that, you, brother David. <laughs> if someone says, well, I just didn't get anything out of worship today, I'll remind them nicely, well, it wasn't for you, it was for God. If I sit in a service with arms folded, why should I expect God to come with arms wide open? When you think of it, life is full of praise. Everything in the human experience is touched by it. Parents praise their children and are outdone by grandparents. Men brag about their automobiles or guns. Well, women do too, right, Tessa? I got you. I got you back there. (laughs) Women chatter about their favorite places to shop. Manufacturers push their products. Politicians point with pride at all their outstanding accomplishments. Yeah. Praise is certainly not foreign to our way of life. It's an integral part of it. Our basic human nature praises that which we value. Our basic human nature praises that which we value. That's why certain people, you'll say, well, I'm not really a praiser. But then you watch them. In an athletic atmosphere, it's amazing. They become a praiser. <laughs> but it's praising that which we value. What we value. What about God? Since we value him most, it's imperative to release our emotions and praise to him and about him. He needs to hear it. More importantly, we need to say it and hear ourselves saying it. So if you say, I'm just not much of a praiser. I'm not very demonstrative. Listen, the Bible talks about clapping our hands, jumping, dancing, raising our hands. It talks about these things. So if I'm just not doing any of this and saying, I don't clap, I don't raise my hands, I don't jump, I don't dance, I don't do anything, what are you doing to to express worship. I'm not saying every person has to worship the same way, but there should be something in our lives that's saying, I'm offering this as a sacrifice of praise to you. And really, anybody can do this. The Bible says we raise our hands and bless the Lord. If this is blesses God by something so easy, I'm never going to come to a service. Never, 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 never. I'll be able to say never a hundred times over. You will never see me go through a service where I won't raise my hands. Ever, never, it'll never happen because if I can bless God by something so easy, I'm going to do it every time. There's a difference between thinking and thanking. If someone gives you a gift, you might be grateful for it, but I teach my kids say thank you. It doesn't matter if they're thankful or not, they need to say it. A study of Old Testament shows how powerful both singing and instrumental music can be in helping people worship and respond to God's spirit. There's a, this is a major part of what I want you to understand today. Music is not just a form of worship, but it's a powerful influence that evokes emotion in our body and in our mind. We've all heard various kinds of music makes you want to dance before the Lord. Guess what? There's music that makes people want to dance sexually in a club. Music that has made it easier to exercise. Music that's evoked tears of sadness. Music that made you think about someone you lost. Music that made you smile and remember good things. Music used at athletic events to produce a hyper-excited response. The music of David 
soothed King Saul and drove away evil spirits. I said this once at a prayer meeting. Was David the only musician and worship leader in the nation of Israel? Not, not a chance. But when Saul needed something, he knew, I'm going to call that guy that knew how to play that harp. That boy could sing. And it wasn't just his talent because he was not the only talented person in the nation. But it was anointing. It was something about him that when he played, that there was something. When he sang, that something brought a peace that passed all understanding for Saul. So if you're here and you're on a praise team or you're singing an instrument or playing an instrument and you're doing something. Don't just practice. Don't just say, oh, that's all important. Don't just say, I want to be the best, God. Help me to get better, God. Say, God, saturate me with anointing, anointing that can only come from you, that whenever I sing, whenever I play, whenever I do something to lead anybody, that there would be such a mighty anointing that would fall that even if I don't say anything, that when I begin to sing praise and worship unto you, that someone sitting there hearing me would say, Oh, I want what they have. That happened with King David before he was long, before he was a king. After he became king, he appointed musicians to minister in the house of the Lord. He appointed singers, psaltery players, harpists, and cymbalists to praise the Lord before the Ark of the Covenant. There were 4,000 musicians, including 288 highly trained and skilled in song. So, don't make the mistake. I think that we, we, again, don't let someone push you to one end of the spectrum or another. Well, you guys just rely on the anointing. You don't even practice or get skilled. Being a skilled musician playing in the presence of God, you ought to practice. You should be. The, take your ability to the highest level that it can go. Do everything wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. Don't give him half-hearted effort. Practice. But... I'm also, when we get up there, we sometimes have a misunderstanding that these are the performance, we're the audience, this is the stage. And that's not the case. We're really all performers, and the audience is right there. That's what that is. Okay, so don't get lost. I'm not going to be, you know, some of, these, some of these churches, God help us, you know, they, I mean, if they do it, that's fine. I'm not going to knock them. I'm going to knock them, okay? So you just, you got this. And the smoke shooting up and stuff. We don't need that. Now, that being said, if you get some lights and they add some color to the back wall, I'm all for that. I, I hope to do that here one day. I hope that don't shock anybody. I think that's nice. Make the stage look appealing. It looks nice up there. And, makes them, and people walk in. And they see it. Look, I, I, I'm all for that. But I don't need to start the strobe lights and the disco ball and bring out the smoke to, 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 to try and take something away from the fact that we're lacking on the pulpit and the platform. So, yes, we will practice. Yes, we will aim for excellence, but not at the cost of anointing. I'm, I'm shooting for both. What about this later? Solomon dedicates the temple. He arranges for trumpets and singers to lift their voices in praise and thanksgiving together with cymbals and other instruments of music. When they did it with one accord, God's glory filled the house. God's presence was so strong that the priests could not stand to minister. What ushered in the mighty move of God? It was music and worship unto him. And even throughout the book of Revelation, we can read about music being played in worship, like I said in the beginning. I believe eternity will even be filled with music and worship. 
Many people have a misconception about this church. They think that the stage and the no, 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 no. That's the audience. This is the one we gather to worship. And so when you walk in, don't just read the words on the screen. If you're reading them, stop. Force your brain to think about what you're saying. And instead of saying, I'm just singing along, no, I'm singing a song of worship directly to my Lord and my Savior. Watch how that changes the way you worship on Sunday. If you walk in and you say, today, I'm reading and singing everything instead of just singing with the congregational song. I am saying, if I have to have open my eyes, raise my hands and say, God, you deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, I lift my hands in worship. I exalt your holy name. And you just begin to sing this. I'm not singing with anybody. Sure, yeah, we're singing together, but my audience is right here. It changes the way you worship. That second verse of Psalm 149 says, Let Israel rejoice in him that have made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Here the word rejoice means to brighten up or be cheerful. To rejoice in the Lord is more than reciting words of praise. It's a total change of attitude. In the days of the tabernacle, the priest, and I'm almost done, the priest never entered into the Holy of Holies till he stopped at the laver for cleansing or refreshing. Listen, we need to brighten up or prepare for worship. How many times have you been in the improper mood to worship in a service? Maybe something happened at home or on the job or on the car ride here or maybe when you walked in the door that affected the amount of energy you gave in praising and worship. Tell me one thing that is worthy that could happen in your life, whether at home, the car ride, working in, one thing, no matter how big it is, that could, could literally make us go, God, you know what? I, my, I had plans to worship you, but this happened. So I can't really give you my best today. I mean, isn't that exalting something to a place that's higher than God? Every time I get in my car, I want to be able to say this. God, I gave you the best worship that I could today. Are you telling me my worship needs to look like his and hers? No. Can you get in the car and say, God, I gave you the best worship that I could today? Can we say that tonight based on the worship service? I probably can't, but that's what I want to aim for. We must learn to rule our emotions instead of letting them rule us. God is worthy of our praise at all times and definitely at every service, and that's the case whether we feel it or not. Remember Brother Newble that came and preached here? Brother Newble, tall, big black guy, he was hilarious. That man would dance himself sweaty every single service growing up, every service before he ever pastored. And I'd say, man, how you worship God? He'd say, man, I'll tell you, Gary, I worship God not because I feel like it, but because he's worthy. Every single time. He's always worthy, and that never changes how good or how bad things are going in our lives. 
We don't worship because we feel it. We worship because he deserves it. The Bible says David mourned the death of his first child, but then guess what? He went and worshiped God. Paul and Silas worship God at night. Singers and musicians have, should have two goals in their mind in this church. Their primary goal is to worship God from their heart, creating music that will be personally pleasing to hear, that God will be personally pleased to hear. And secondly, their function is to create an atmosphere of worship that will encourage the congregation to worship and will make it easier for them to connect with God. That's really the goal. As I close, do you want... To go where God lives. How many want to be in the place where God lives? Psalm 23, 22.3 says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Thou inhabitest the praises of Israel. He literally dwells in the place of praise. That's why when I pray someone to get the Holy Ghost, I will say begin to praise and worship. God is drawn to the praise of his people. Don't let pride get in the way. There's so many more verses. We're out of time. There's so many more verses I could take you to. But every single thing you hear about in a Pentecostal church, I can take you to a scripture. Every single thing. Lifting up holy hands, clapping, jumping, leaping for joy. Praising him with cymbals and stringed instruments. And now we got one instrument that can do all of them. You can actually add cymbals, strings, and organ and and add seven sounds to one instrument. It's incredible. Imagine what David could have done with that. With a with a Yamaha CP4 stage. David could have really tore. David would have had a CD. He'd have been all over Israel. The Philistines would have been having him do concerts. I mean it would have been incredible. Let's stand to our feet. I've already been going a while. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up. I just, I, 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 I feel that God's left us with a challenge, a couple of challenges. What are you listening to? If it's something that's not giving God praise, and I'm not saying everything has to be an altar call song. Kansas City is blessed with three or four Christian radios that most cities don't have, not even major metropolitan stations that have that. And there's some things that you'll listen to that I'll be honest, 91.9 Air 1, a large majority that we're never going to play for worship on a Sunday morning. But if it's singing anything about glorifying God and giving Him praise, I listen to it for leisure. I don't have to have slow music that's an altar call every single song. But if there's a message that's being sung about... That somehow, I mean, like, what it really comes down to is, well, I just listen to Rascal Flats. Well, okay, if Jesus is in your car, do you feel comfortable popping on Rascal Flats? I mean, what's he going to say? Like, hey, what's this guy singing about? Uh, not you. I'm just not, I, you know what I'm saying? I just, I want whatsoever things that I do. I want it to be pure, holy, honest, just. Those, that's what I want to think about. And, and you know what? When they used to preach this when I was young, it was really hard. They didn't even have a Christian radio station. And even Christian CDs, half of them were horrible. Now, I'm sorry, you young people got no excuse. 
There are so many talented Christian artists in so many different genres of music. I don't have to go looking outside anymore. Now more than ever before, as the music's gotten more vulgar, the choices of Christian music have gone up. I don't have to turn to that. But we've also talked about elevating our own praise and worship right here in this place. Sunday, let's walk in. And instead of saying, I'm, I'm going to connect, I'm going to read the words. No, I'm going to begin to read words and say, God, this is for you. Lord, I worship you, Jesus. I'm going to find something that works for me. You know what? It might be clapping my hands. It might be starting to jump a little bit. It might be raising my hands in the air. But I just want to offer something to him as praise and worship. Jesus, as we wrap up this service, God, Father, we're going to begin to sing a chorus of, of just praise and worship to you as we close. And, and just for these few moments before we leave, we just want to sing a song to you, Lord God. Music's so powerful, Jesus. And so, God, we just we want to clap hands or raise hands or kneel down or jump, whatever we want to do. We just want to sing something that brings praise and glory and honor to your name, oh God. Oh, let's just, I don't even know what song we're going to sing. Let's sing something to him right now. Oh, yes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how, it doesn't matter what song we sing. It doesn't matter how it sounds. He's worthy. Oh, my praise. I give my all. I give my all, all my worship, all my praise. I give my all, I give my all. Oh, if you feel led, just, just come to the altar. Just find a place to pray before you leave here for a few moments. You just, just offer him some praise as a worship, as, as the music is sung. I give my all. 